Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, July 23rd. And Brendan, the Chicago Cubs, one on a Sunday. On a Sunday, Corey. Jameson Tyone picks up the W on a Sunday. Just like we all expected. Jameson Tyone saving the season on a Sunday. The Chicago Cubs take three of four from the St. Louis Cardinals. They finish the week, a five and two week, after taking two of three from the Washington Nationals. As we record this, the Cubs sit six and a half games out of the first place Milwaukee Brewers. The Cincinnati Reds did win on Sunday. And five and a half games out of a wild card spot. Brendan Cody Bellinger is the hottest hitter on planet Earth. Yes. Pat Hughes is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And if I'm reading the vibes in the chat and on Twitter, we're we're buying again. I don't know. We're buying the World (laughs) Series is imminent, and you just got to savor the victories, Corey. This is how it works for us, you know? It's just like that. Yeah. So a lot to talk about in this episode. Uh, As we said Cody Bellinger is red hot. Um, Pat Hughes is a Hall of Famer. We Hall want famer, to correct, talk yes. about Jamison Tyone's outing. He is certainly trending in the right direction, if nothing else. Dansby Swanson, his back. Our guy Jared Willis had a really great article uh, on Dansby and his leadership over at allchgo.com. So kind of want to talk a little bit about that. Talk about the Drew Smiley situation. Obviously, they went with an opener and Michael Fulmer on Saturday. Uh, and David Ross kind of mum is the word on what would be happening with Drew Smiley in that next turn in the rotation. Obviously, coming up, the Cubs will play the Chicago White Sox across town and then uh, finish out this pre-deadline stretch with more against the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals. But before we get into a lot of the specifics, right, uh, I do just want to start like that Red Sox series coming out of the break, right? Not how you wanted it to go, but, you know, even though they were a last place team at the time, still several games over 500 and last place in the AL East is different than last place in some other divisions. But since then, the Cubs did what they needed to do, right? At this point, you have played yourself into a situation where you're you may be at the mercy of what the Brewers or the Reds or several of these teams in the wildcard hunt are doing if you're still making decisions. Uh, but this was a solid week of baseball for the Cubs. And moreover, this weekend series against the Cardinals, they did what they needed to do. They did not let the Cardinals come in and jump over them, which they could have if they had you know, won this series or swept this series. And they, they really buried the St. Louis Cardinals. We had heard reports that maybe they were going to be selling. That's what their you know president, John Mazalek, had said. And the, the Cubs themselves may have been the ones to truly cement that like for it. the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, you know, some great content of Wilson Contreras, former catcher Wilson Contreras out there. Uh, 
did a great job framing pitches this weekend, Corey. Had a few nice frames, you know. The ball just pops right out of his mitt, right into the strike zone. So very good by Wilson Contreras this are weekend. You, are you saying it's bad if a catcher can't catch the ball? When he can't catch the ball, typically mm. it's not a good thing, you know. But I'm and then not, getting replaced in half the game. I, well. I never caught playing, so I don't really know yeah. exactly. But, you know, to your point, they did what they needed to do. I think the overall tone, slightly more optimistic. It. The, the big picture, I think a lot of us are on the same page. You know, it's like you're not going to sell maybe completely because the playoff picture is right there, but at the same time, does it make sense to sell? And then separately, you're not going to spend that much to buy at the deadline because, you know, 2023 is not that obvious. So, so you're in this weird scenario, but whatever. Right now, you won a three out of four game series against St. Louis Cardinals. You're still in the picture, and a lot can change in a week. I think it's still in a weird way. I still think it's somewhat premature to anticipate Cody Bellinger's trade value or Cody Bellinger's trade. Even though it's July 23rd, it's still the same thing with Marcus Stroman. A lot of the context does change in a, in as little of one week, and we could yeah. be talking about this very differently in 48 hours, in 72 hours, and especially by one week from today. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, have a super chat from our good friend Fernando. He's in here every day. He says, vibes, hello, Sunday crew. Hello, Fernando. Hello, YouTube chat. If you're watching live, if you want to watch later on YouTube, hello, or if you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, we are glad to have you here for the CHGO Cubs podcast on this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, things have been changing a lot. As we have said, the decision for what they do at this deadline is out of my hands. It's out of your hands. Um, and, you know, hey, you can go back to the beginning of the year. I I was complaining about certain guys being in the lineup. I wanted them to be buying three months ago for, for better players at certain positions. So don't look at me if they sell, yeah. right? Uh, but you are in a, a situation here, like heading into the deadline, you're still going to be playing teams. You know, the White Sox are horrible. You had better take care of business on the other side of town here uh, in the middle of this week. And then you, you just took care of business against the Cardinals, and they may have less good players by the time you see them again with the way their season is going. So, yeah, things can change. Uh, as Jed said, I think on the radio on Friday or Thursday, you know, it it's not a daily thing, right? Like, they are not buying because they win one day and selling because they lose another day. He did mention, like, a lot of it is where they are in the division, whether Milwaukee and Cincinnati are still winning. But you have a, a little bit of time here, and all the Cubs can do, all we can ask them to do is play good baseball and take care of business. And that's what they did this weekend, especially, I think, the game on Saturday, Brendan, coming back several times in that yeah. game, erasing a deficit from the Cardinals in a game where you admittedly were not really throwing out your best pitching effort, right? Starting with Fulmer and then going to Smiley, who struggled. And the Cubs offense did not quit in that game. And I think that that showed a lot about them. We hear from guys like Dansby Swanson or Cody Bellinger. Jamison Tyone said it after the game. I think Cody Bellinger said it after the game on Sunday. I saw that from our guy Ryan Herrera tweeting about it. Like, they believe in themselves, right? And, you know, Everybody says that, but you saw that on, on Saturday. Like, this team doesn't act, right, this past week like one that is dead in the water and ex expecting to sell and kind of moving on. There, There's fight in this team still. There is. I think when you saw Dansby come back in the lineup, too, it kind of reminded me, like, oh, like, his value's, like, exceptionally high. Like, you saw the defensive issues they had in the corners at third base, and you see Dansby just solidify that infield. And even coming back on Sunday, spraying the ball the other way, making phenomenal plays up the middle, saving Tyone a few pitches as a result, his value is unbelievable. So yeah. if anything, in addition to winning these games, it's just like, man, that Dansby Swanson signing, man, has been really good. And you just want to keep adding to it. And it also reminds me, too, going forward, when you take someone's defensive value that's top tier, like Dansby, and you combine that with like legitimate 30, 
35 plus 40 home run potential in Bellinger on your current roster, it does make the situation a little tantalizing of like what could be in 2024 and what could be even 2023 if they decide to ultimately hold on to their current roster and make a soft run at this. Love, I, I love the word tantalizing. I know. I, I, that's great. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing, right? I don't want to, the vibes are good. And as we kind of said, when I was on the show with, uh, you know, Cody in in the studio on Friday after the day game, like, just take it day by day, right? The decision of what they do at the deadline, the decision with these players is out of our hands. But what we can do as fans is just hope that they play well and win on a daily basis. So I don't want to turn this episode into another like hour-long debate about are they buying are they selling are they because I don't know it's not up to me right but what I do want to address because I see it a lot in our live YouTube chat we are reading the chat if you're watching us live on YouTube hop in there drop a comment let us know what you're thinking also if you wouldn't mind hitting that thumbs up that like button it helps us out a lot if if there is a scenario Cody Bellinger signed this one-year deal to prove that he could get healthy and that he could be better than what he showed at the end of his Dodgers tenure and that he could get back to some semblance of the player that won an MVP. He is doing that, right? Mission accomplished, at least, you know, through July, right? If you're Scott Boris and Cody Bellinger. Mission accomplished in spades, right? This could not be going better for them. Yeah. If you're, if you're, you know, kind of a cartoon character with dollar signs in your eyes, this is going incredible <laughs> for them. It's also going really well for the Cubs, right? It is possible that they will not accept an extension. We, we don't know the answer to that, right? But it is possible that their goal was to hit free agency, which it, I think, always was. And no matter how much they like it here, they are going to accept offers. They are going to let people bid on Cody Bellinger. That is context that matters as we head to this deadline to Jed and company, right? That's the only real thing that I would offer to the discussion in the YouTube chat. Because I see people throwing out figures, Brendan. If you offered five, 150, if you offered this, like, would they accept it now? I genuinely don't know. I think it is possible that the answer is no, no matter what, and that they want to hit free agency. And that's just something that the Cubs are going to have to consider when they're making all of these decisions. You and I have talked, Cody and I and Ryan and, and everybody has talked. Bellinger fits this team incredibly long-term. He's only 28. This is, you know, the, the decision with Stroman is different because Stroman is 32. He's a pitcher. He's not a guy that gets a ton of whiffs. There's maybe some other things to consider there. Bellinger is 28. Like, he is not old. He looks to be, you know, back to kind of the player that he was. He's a power hitter that you need for the middle of this lineup. He can play multiple positions. He's a gold glove winner. He's great on the bases. But it is possible, you guys, that they just will not consider it right now. No matter how much we would like him to do that, that just seems like it's possible that their thing is we are hitting free agency. That's it. Yeah. Well, from the Cubs side too, like Jed has operated risk averse for three years on extensions, right? So from his point of view, whether you agree with it or not, you can understand Jed not wanting to even approach that and that extension given even in May when he's coming back from injury that the numbers weren't that good given the extremes up and downs over the years. Jed too may want these two months to figure out does an extension make sense? So that's why right now it's kind of, it's it's difficult to at least project going forward. Yeah. So that's what I got on that. I'm not going to speculate on that because it's possible that it just isn't something they can do. Um, but I do want to talk about Cody Bellinger. I want to put this in context, right, for like exactly what he's doing. Um, a good tweet from Megan Montemuro on Twitter, one of the, the great writers on the Cubs beat. Nine RBIs in his last three games is a career high for the most RBIs in a three-game span for Cody Bellinger, dating back to 2017. And then if you dig into just some of the numbers, in Cody's last 15 games, he has seven homers, 19 RBIs, a 456 batting average, a 484 on base percentage and an 877 slugging percentage. Even in his last 30 games, you extend that sample 
He has an OPS that is over 1,000. He has just been flat out unbelievable, Brendan. And right now, if you're looking at like fan graphs, leaderboards, and stuff like that, he is not qualified because of the time that he missed with injury. But if you're looking at guys that have at least 200 plate appearances, Cody Bellinger has, he is tied for the 16th highest WRC plus in all of baseball. This guy has been an absolute force on offense. And this weekend in particular against the Cardinals, a lot of guys contributed, and we're going to get to that. Say a Suzuki had a really nice week at the plate. Not a lot of power, but in terms of just getting hits and getting on base, it was a really nice week for Say a Suzuki. Dansby's back, Nico looking better, et cetera, et cetera. But Cody Bellinger said, I'm putting this offense <laughs> on my back. Yeah. And I don't care that everybody in the building knows that I'm the hottest hitter on the planet. I'm going to keep driving in these runs. He, for me, Cody Bellinger at his best is my favorite type of hitter. Guys who don't strike out, hit the ball extremely hard, run the bases extremely well. He's at, he's exactly the type of offensive player you want. And then the defense in center field, the defense at first base, the ability to move him around. And at least from the Cubs perspective, let's say it's late October, you want to give Matt Mervis a shot, right? You still have talk and playing well. That flexibility for Ross to insert Mervis in matchups that are best suited for him and the Cubs simultaneously because you have Bellinger is invaluable. So that's when I use the word tantalizing, that's why it's so appealing for me. Just absent of all the, the, the extension talk and the trade talk, forget all of that. It's just the type of player that Bellinger is perfectly complements this roster right now in this current form. Does it complement the roster in 2024? Well, I hope it does even more because you're going out and making external acquisitions and trades and signings. But the numbers over the past month have been absolutely absurd, Corey. And I think going forward, if he continues to do this, it will have exceeded our expectations significantly. I, I would have been shocked if you told me at the end of March these would be his numbers I yeah. I just hope for a 330-ish weighted on base average and even then I thought I was being greedy going into the year I just wanted two to three wins good defense maybe right. like average slightly below league average offensive value I would have been happy with that he's turning in when he's healthy an MVP caliber season it's insane yeah I think Dansby was the one that called him must-see TV for uh, July, Cody Bellinger, and it's true. I, You know uh, that I hate to give you credit, but <laughs> I do recall early in the year when he was uh, cold to start the year, you pointed to that K rate as something being down that was going to lead to success because when he struggled— uh, at his worst in Los Angeles, that K rate in 2021 and 2022 up near 27%, right? When he was at his best in 2019, it was around 16.4%, 17%, 16%. rate right now, 16.7% would be the second lowest of his career. The yeah. lowest was the year that he won the MVP. So you were on that back in April that, hey, like the batted ball results aren't there, the numbers aren't there, but he's not striking out, and that bodes really well for Cody Bellinger. And here we are toward the end of July, and he has kept that same level of consistent contact and not striking out. Yeah, the thing with all these like peripherals, they can be very misleading, right? So if you just look at contact rate or power rate or expected weight on, like you can easily get lost in them. And God knows I get lost in them all the time. But for Bellinger, as you just pointed out, for him at his best, he hits the ball hard frequently. He hits the ball hard and does not strike out at the same time. And so even during those struggles in the early part of April, it's like, all right, well, you're seeing the mechanical changes align with contact. And you look at someone like Bellinger, and even in the few 
rare times in early April where he hit the ball hard, you knew he had the capacity to do that. So then your thinking automatically becomes, what if it all merges together in a best case scenario? Well, if it does, the output is like this. It's never certain that guys put it together, but for someone like Bellinger, having the history and showcasing all the changes he's made has been actually successful is impressive. And I think it also bodes well for his future. I think this, just for him, it's just health at this point. Don't hurt your shoulder again. Don't celebrate uh, with your teammates right. so aggressively with their shoulder bump, you know, just do fist bumps. I, I, I like that much better. So for him, that's where he's at. I think it's incredibly encouraging and man, just insane to see, insane to see those numbers and, and hear you list those off. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a good stat on Marquee as well, I think, during their postgame. Um, left-handed hitters against left-handed pitchers, only Freddie Freeman, uh, minimum 75 plate appearances, has been better than Cody Bellinger uh, with a 1,067 OPS. Lefty on lefty. So, I mean, the dude is just getting it done both you know sides of pitchers. It really does not matter. He is locked in. He's not striking out. He's just been absolutely fantastic. And for how much we rip some of the other moves, right, like certain things, uh, we don't have to get into. The vibes are good. We don't need to talk about Trey Mancini today. Um, Why did you even mention his name? But this was a slam dunk for the Cubs. A lot of people in the offseason wanted the Cubs to take this one-year flyer on Cody Bellinger to be the ones who gave him the opportunity to turn it around in a year where maybe for you the stakes weren't super high. And he has just absolutely come through in spades. So whether that is a credit to just Cody Bellinger getting healthy, getting to work with Dustin Kelly again, um, you know, yeah. the the different things, I don't know. I, I it, He he looks fairly similar to what he's done in the past. So I, I don't know if the Cubs have like really unlocked something, but hey, they made the decision. They gave him the opportunity. And like I said, however this plays out over the next like 10 days, it's working really well for everybody, right? Like he's performed really well for the 2023 Cubs. If you want to move him, he should get you a lot. If you want to keep him, that would be great because he fits here very well long-term. That would be my preference. Uh, and for him, he's going to get paid one way or the other. So oh, yeah. it, it this is this is one of those instances where somebody takes a flyer on themselves, on a player, and it just, it I, it literally cannot work out any better for everybody involved in this. Yeah, I mean, he may, he, he did make significant mechanical changes, like uh, his, his bat path is just cleaner. It's kind of what you saw in his early days, and that might point to just some of the shoulder strength returning and maybe working with Dustin Kelly. Like, it's always, for me, it's very ambiguous what the major league hitting coaches are bringing because you don't really see it in like the public sphere so it's hard to say but hearing dustin kelly talk about it the intention what they're trying to do with him what he worked on during the offseason you know respect that's what really what it comes down to he's worked his butt off to get to this point he's come back from a a bruised knee and took him about a week or two to get normalized and he's he never left off from where he was yeah. before that injury. So, well, and I be, before we hit our first ad break here, and then I want to talk uh, a little bit, maybe about Seiya and you know some of the pitching as well. Um, I do just want to read this specific stat from our guy Ryan Herrera. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Check out all his work on allchdo.com. Cody Bellinger over his last twenty five games uh, through that first inning two run homer on Sunday a 446 average, a 1203 OPS, 12 extra base hits, 21 RBIs. And if you're ready for this, Brendan, after we just had this discussion, a 9.1% strikeout rate. Yeah, I like that. July Cody Bellinger, man. Like, this is as hot as hot gets. Yeah. uh, Man, ideally, you just want someone like him long-term on this team. That's that's. Just where it falls however down. they however they however do it, it happens right? i don't Brett, know how it happens and i and i know you sent it but the the, yeah. the folks over at bleacher nation had a, a really good discussion about this coming deadline kind of under the premise that an extension is not going to be possible because boris's side just isn't interested in it um you know just a good discussion about how valuable he could be and the likelihood that maybe you could talk to him in the off season and that they seem to have a good relationship. It was a good piece. So 
however they yeah. want to do it, he he really fits here long term, and I think he should be a part of the next. Grand if Cubs it continues, team. right? It's yeah. always under the assumption this sure. continues, and things do change, right? So that's that's where that's where they're at. We'll see where we are. Hopefully, my goal is to have these conversations in December where it's obvious he makes sense. I see you have your shady eraser ready to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this ad <laughs> right in your hand. Uh, take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that Corey has worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays has the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses are backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together, also, with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. with Shady Rays Impact. From building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free. Within a month, there's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of Polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Next break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing out over your tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Cubs have an off day Monday. They play the White Sox, Corey, this week. If you decide to go last minute, you know, wake up in the morning, not feeling the game, but afternoon rolls around, hey, I want to go to the game, you know if you use the Game Time app, you're looking at the lowest prices guaranteed. That means Game Time has this guarantee that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will actually credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yep. And I believe that our takeover uh, event with CHGO on the South Side uh, is sold out uh, on the 26th. But if you would like to go, check out game time and you can still meet up with the crew That's cool. uh, pre and post. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, as you, if you're watching us live on YouTube, uh, the player asking you to hit that thumbs up and give us a like uh, was Dansby Swanson. Dansby. Very nice Look to have Dansby. him back. Uh, just you, you felt his absence so much. Yeah, uh, in terms of defensively, you know, Morel had that, you know, one issue. And spiritually, <laughs> the, too. The other day. But, uh, you know, Nico and, and Morel did a nice job holding things down up the middle defensively. But there's nothing quite like that Dansby <sighs> to Nico connection. And offensively, uh, Dansby back in the lineup on Saturday, two for four, an RBI. Sunday, two for four, an RBI. Just so nice to have him back. Like I said, our guy Jared Willis uh, wrote uh, a really nice piece on Dansby Swanson over at allchgo.com. And I I really liked this one quote about the time where Dansby was out and obviously not able to play. David Ross said, quote, he's tried to be manager and hitting coach and infield coach. He just can't turn it off. It's been fun watching him interact around the dugout and the clubhouse. Dansby went on to say that his wife tells me, I'm sure for co- I'm I'm for sure coaching. I do enjoy helping other people. That's just kind of my personality. So yeah. there were a lot of, I think, thoughts when this team was at its worst, right? Uh, that, you know, where was the fire? Where was the leadership? But you've been tweeting it all year that Dansby is always that first person. Yeah, I never, I never understood uh, that. Atop the dugout yeah. steps 
to greet players when they hit home runs. And then you read this this piece from Jared and just some of these quotes, like while he was out with injury, like he he can't turn it off, man. The dude wants to win. Everybody says that, right? And I know we talked about that when he signed, that he was like, I came here to win, I came here to win, I came here to win. But everything that you've seen from him, everything you've heard from him, the work that he's put in, he backs it up on the field. He does. And he doesn't talk about his efforts in an individualistic sense. And maybe it's unfair to do it, but I'm just in one of those moods. You saw today the contrast of when Wilson Contreras is out versus when Dansby Swanson's out. Contreras, sunglasses on, they look worse in our shady rays probably. The hoodie over his head, very self-closed off. Wilson's even on the trade block supposedly. You contrast that to what Dansby was doing. Coach Dansby Swanson's next to manager David on that step. He's working with guys in the cage. You hear Christopher Morrell saying, you know what, my hot streak coincided with Dansby Swanson giving me advice. You hear other reports saying Say Suzuki's looking at Dansby Swanson's routine and applying what he does to his own routine. And the idea that this team lacks leadership or fight when you have Cody Bellinger in one sense quite literally playing for a nine-figure contract, you have Dansby Swanson showcasing that attitude, Nico Horner, same idea same attitude Jan Gomes will probably be a manager within seven years as well this team has that unfortunately sometimes it's an easy excuse when the team is losing to confuse talent with effort and that's not what it is I hope I hope that the environment the Cubs have carries over and they add talent to it because I personally enjoy watching guys like Dansby Nico everyone else always go out there and, and fight. And the, the hope is they just continue to add legitimate talent like Bellinger to this roster. Yeah. One more quote uh, from Jared's article that I like from Dansby Swanson, kind of just about where the Cubs are at and the kind of uncertainty going forward here. But uh, just sort of his general attitude, Dansby said, quote, each game is each game. And that's one thing that the good teams I've been on have taken that really seriously. It doesn't matter if it's the first or the ninth inning. Each game, each moment, it's obviously important to be able to look at them the same way. Whether it's the first game or the 73rd game or the 90th game, each day our job is to go out and perform at a high level, which I think tracks with kind of how we have to approach this stretch coming up to the trade deadline, right? We don't make the decisions. Our YouTube chat doesn't make the decisions. Cody doesn't make the decisions. Um... Jed and Carter do, and I we I do love that in our 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 YouTube chat. Uh, th- there is someone with the username just Carter Hawkins, uh, and he said earlier, uh, "Me, the real Carter Hawkins, can assure you that they are signing Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Otani, and <laughs> Josh Hader." I I could yeah, live without soft, Josh Hader, but uh, yeah, the rest of it, sign me up. So, uh, he says he's the real Carter Hawkins, so uh, you know, there you that. go. Uh, but I, I, I just love the attitude. It's really nice to have Dansby back. Of course, you see him making those plays at shortstop. He's a, a, a magician out there in, in a different way than our previous magician, uh, El Mago Javi Baez. But every day, man, he just makes plays where he makes it look so incredibly Dude, his easy hands at short. It's, it's really something. And I continue to say that like I knew he was a great defender. Um, I knew he was winning all those awards and had that reputation, but then you watch it and like seeing it over months, it's like, man, like, okay, like I get it. Um, yeah, a a good comment from, uh, Douglas in the chat, uh, kind of bringing up something we maybe wondered about, um, Nico Horner at third, Christopher Morrell at second. Uh, I know you don't like that. No. Yeah. Just put Christopher Morrell at third base. The entire offseason, send out the entire Cubs organization to Christopher Morrell's house and just work on his throwing. You have the best middle infield defensively that this franchise has ever seen, Corey. Yeah. You don't mess with that. That's that's kind of been, I know they're searching for a position for Morrell, uh, you know, but also t- tricky. He he's made some really nice plays at second base, but like that play, well, he's made some also pretty um, not good plays, right? Base. That Alzali kind of bailed it out the other day, kind of let that one go uh, under his glove, a really easy play. So it's not perfect anywhere, right? Like 
I remember uh, our guy Greg Braggs, when he was producing one day, asked if maybe they would consider that, if that was just a way to find somewhere for Morrell to play in the field. And my position ultimately remains the same. Like, I think they spent a lot of money to build that middle infield. They built a pitching staff around that middle infield. And I I think that's just how they're going to do it. I, I don't think that, you know, getting Christopher Morrell somewhere in the field is going to take precedence over them wanting to have that kind of best middle of the infield defense. But, yeah. you know, we'll see uh, how that kind of decides to change because the, the the bigger problem with that is that Morrell has shown that third base is messy, right? So I don't know, but something to keep in mind. I do want to uh, talk, let's just finish on offense uh, and then we can talk, you know, Tyone, Smiley, Wesneski, that whole pitching situation. Um Really nice week for Seiya Suzuki, um, and just good to see. Like I said, and this is going to be true. I know there was a comment earlier uh, from someone that was saying, you know, some of us had some trepidation extending Hap um, and having the corner outfield be Hap and Suzuki and, you know, kind of wondering where that slug was going to come. Absolutely still something we need to see a solution on, right? You need more slug from your corner outfielders. That is no question. But maybe building toward that, it's at least nice to see Seiya put a nice week together where he was hitting the ball and getting on base. His last seven games, uh, 11 for 31, which is good for a 355 average, a 394 on base, and a 484 slug. Uh, last 15 games, 19 for 61, 311 batting average, 348 on base, 426 slug. So, of course, in those 61 at-bats, only three homers over that span, um, excuse me, only two homers over that span, only two homers in his last 118 at-bats. So trust me, the slug is, it's an issue, right? That's why it was so important that Cody Bellinger (laughs) started blasting the ball out of the ballpark, right? But he's, he's getting on base. He's hitting for average. And as you tweeted out today, he made a really nice play, uh, to rob Paul Goldschmidt the other day to keep the potential tying run off of the bases in that ninth inning for Adbert Alzali, and looking good really throughout the season has Seiya Suzuki in the field, and I think that's an important development. It, it was weird at times last year. I think he clearly getting comfortable to the kind of unique right field and dimensions and brick walls and ivy of <laughs> yeah, Wrigley somewhere. Field, um, and he just looks a lot more comfortable in the field. So on the season, still just a 103 WRC plus, which is obviously not where you wanted it to be. But hopefully this is a sign that he is at least trending in the right direction and starting to settle in a little bit more uh, as a hitter. Yeah. My greedy nature would have hoped it would have happened by now, like him finding that comfort, that groove, but for him, it might take a little bit longer, and hopefully we get to that point. Nice shirt, by the way. Thanks. Uh, his defense has at least progressed better than I anticipated. Last year, his outs above average was, was in the 16th percentile. This year, it's the 75th percentile. His jump is in the 95th percentile, and that's matching. I think it's matching what we're both looking at. Like I watch him, and I'm very like, when I watch Seiya play defense, I'm looking at just the the shakiness of his like momentum. Like that's what for any fielder, that's why dance be so good. Uh, because they're, they, they don't waste movement. Like they're very confident in the route they're taking or in their just in dance be case, like just the hands and positioning of fielding the ground ball. Sale looks way more comfortable this year than he did last year. And there was a moment in Philadelphia early in the season where he missed that like fly ball. I'm like, Oh my God, like, can this guy play? like in major league ballparks with triple decks outside in all these different cities. I don't know if he can. I was a little worried about that. He's really progressed to the point where he looks every bit of the good defensive outfielder we heard about in Japan before he signed with the Cubs. The one note that caught my attention this week as it relates to his offense was given by Dustin Kelly um, uh, to The Athletic. And he said, quote, all of our metrics, everything we look at, bat speed, swing plane, contact point, Suzuki swing is probably the best of anybody that we have, end quote. That's, Corey, that's that's a big compliment 
That's better than Dansby Swanson. That's better than Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ, all of these guys on their roster by the hitting coach. So when stuff like that is said, I can't ignore it, right? And so then the question is, well, why isn't that translating? And they were talking about in this piece, Matthew Levick, look at his pregame routine and, and the timing and the consistency of just his overall approach being so invariable because of the different pitching matchups. He'll focus very closely if you have a sinker ball pitcher versus someone who goes up in the zone. And they were talking about how Sayers looking at Ian Happ or looking at Dansby Swanson. They don't do that. They don't really pay attention. Pay attention is not the right word, but they don't uh, modify their approach or pregame routine dependent on the pitcher. And that's something Sayers perhaps going to change going forward. I look at Saya whenever he's at the dish, and the approach kind of frustrates me at times because you see the stride duration, the time in which his like foot is in the air, it varies quite significantly. You don't have data on it, but I watch like every at bat. That's where I kind of see. And even today against Montgomery, strides very shallow, very short, and he looked to be taking pitches better. The hope is all this is to say that going forward. You take his underlying just batting mechanics, you align that with his improved approach and confidence going forward, and the expectation is he becomes that slugger. He becomes that 30 home run guy. Am I convinced it's going to happen? It's hard to have that that approach and mental side of the game match talent for some guys. I don't know. I hope it does. I honestly don't know. But with Seiya, the intention is there. The effort is there. You also can't rule it out. And so if it happens even next week or months from now or next season, I would not be surprised. Yeah, and I see it uh, from a few people uh, in our YouTube chat. Uh, but yeah, you want to see him elevate the ball more. Um, he is hitting the ball on a ground on the ground at about a league average clip. Um, so obviously you'd like to see him kind of be better than that, elevating the ball because you know, he has the power. He's one of those guys where it's not as though he's going to hit weak fly balls. He, he has the power. He showed it in Japan and he's shown it at times in, in the major leagues here. Like you got to elevate the ball more. Um, but the, the numbers have been good for the, the last couple weeks or so, um, or, you know, 15 plus games or so. And, and that's really what you want to see, right? This offense needs positive contributors. Um, so, all right, we have one more ad break here that we'll get to. Uh, and then I want to talk about Tyone, what you saw from Jamison Tyone on Sunday, and then, uh, what the Cubs will do with the Drew Smiley schedule. Mm-hmm. We'll take a look at the upcoming schedule and obviously have a brief, uh, I could do three hours on Pat Hughes, I know, I know but wants we, 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 we do need to talk about uh, hall of famer, Pat Hughes. Hall of Famer Pat Hughes. All right. So quick ad break here from our wonderful sponsor, Foco. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. Get your Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game at beautiful and historic Wrigley Field. Foco has been even so kind to give us some of our, our own set decorations that you can get for yourself as well. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Last break here from our wonderful sponsor, Goose Island. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster, the Goose IPA, which is a six-time medal winner at Great American Beer Fest, always in style, a citrus aroma, bold hop finish. They also have the Tropical Beer Hug, a dry-hopped Imperial IPA that's almost 10% alcohol that's dangerously easy to drink. They also have the 312 Wheat Ale and the Full Pocket Pilsner, which is an everyday beer. It's what those who brew beer are even drinking. It's one of my favorites, along with 312 Wheat Ale. Grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Yep, and I've said it before, get yourself a smash burger if you go to that uh, Clyburn location for sure. I've been there. I can vouch for it. It's delicious. So mm. pairs very well, well with there you go. a 312 or whatever your particular Goose Island flavor may be. 
Um, all right, Brendan, let's talk about, let's do Jamison Tyone first. Um, the Cubs played on a Sunday. They played on a Sunday at home, and Jamison Tyone started, and they won that game. Look at that. Are things turning around, folks? If the Cubs have figured out how to win on Sundays with a chance to win a series with Jamison Tyone on the mound, are they the best team in the league? I don't know. Yeah. Well, clearly, yes. To your answer, has he turned it around? He's working on it. He's not there yet. The numbers have been better, but there's still signs, and you can even tell by his facial expressions, he's not quite fully 100% back back to his like Yankee days. So what he's been working on, he's been talking about, is his four-seam fastball. And he's trying to be more north and south with his four-seam fastball and his curveball. Thank you, Stephen. You anticipate what I want. I love that. And if you're following on this YouTube chat, you see a graph, a chart of Jamison Tyone's four seams from 2021 to 2023. And this is its movement profile. So on the x-axis or the bottom of the graph, anything more to the left is going to have more arm side run or more tailing action. Anything to the right is going to have more cutting type movement. Similarly, on the y-axis, you have vertical movement. Anything that's higher is going to have more induced vertical break or replicate more of a carrying action. Anything lower is going to be diving a little bit more. So what you're looking at are three different colors. The black pitches, the black dots, are his forcing fastball as a cub. The red dots or red pitches are his forcing fastball as a Yankee. And similarly, 2021, also as a Yankee, what you're seeing is his four-seam fastball is shifted down and away from the rest of his Yankee four-seam fastballs, which means his four-seam fastball has more arm side run and less carry. Jameson Tyone said himself he needs to push his four-seam fastball back to having more carry and less arm side run. He needs those black pitches to look more like the red and blue pitches, which means that's what you're looking at when you're following Tyone starts because that's the primary focus for him. So today, there were times where he showcased that, yeah, the forcing fastball looks good. And there were times where it fell right back into that arm side run, that leaky nature, and it's been a fight. There were a few strikeouts that he had, a few whiffs that he had, where the forcing looked good. There were a few at-bats where the four-seam did not look good. And then the question is, you see that graph, like, what the hell is that? I don't understand that at all. There's another, which is maybe maybe you. I think it's a very intuitive graph. I don't know why you guys talk smack about it. I think it's a very good graph. But if you want to look at how this is, like, animated, Steve, I think I have an animated uh, uh, graph as well. This is what that looks like, okay? So this, these are the exact numbers now modeled. If you look at that black pitch, it moves more. It has more arm side run. These three pitches end up in the same exact location. What Tyone is trying to do is throw more four seams like those red and blue ones. Those are the ones that you saw against uh, uh, the Cardinals catcher, who I'm forgetting his name today, but you saw that when he struck him out. And the hope is, as he continues, you see more of that. And I think We've seen more of that in the past three starts. It's just not quite there yet. And the curveball today was not good. Like, that's the one thing that was kind of discouraging is the curveball was not good. He, he hung more than half his curveballs, got no whiffs on them, threw it 11 times. He needs that curveball to be good against left-handed batters. But the sweeper looked good. That looked fine. He's just not quite there yet. But it's positive. It's encouraging. Yeah. So, you know, at, at least trending in the right direction, right? It's like trending you, you in the right direction. You still need more, especially uh, yeah. on a four-year deal and, and what they paid him to be. Yeah. But eight innings, one hit, no runs against the Yankees uh, on July 7th. On July 18th, five and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs uh, against the Nationals, and then five and two-thirds again on Sunday today against yeah. the Cardinals, seven hits, one run. So I will say, I will say, last comment for Tyone, and we'll, we'll move on here. The sweeper has been so good this year. That's the one thing where it's like, man, like if he had feel for his curveball and the four-seam fastball, there is zero doubt in my mind his numbers will be way better this year. So you can start to imagine, okay, if the sweeper is this good going forward, which you have every reason to believe it should be, and the force team comes back and the curveball comes back, his strikeouts go up 
and the numbers look better than what they were as a Yankee. So that's another way of thinking about it. It's not just getting yeah. back to his normal self. It's getting back better than his normal self. And I do think that's a possibility, although it's not a likelihood. And I don't think you should expect it anytime soon. It may have to take some time. And honestly, you may never see it. But if you do see it, there's a good chance he is better than what he was as a Yankee. Yep. Uh, so just looking through the chat here, uh, before we talk about Drew Smiley, uh, Flattis Expellis says, uh, if Jay Hayes' $22 million was available this year, could have had Kimbrell, Chafin, not spent wow. on Trey Mancini, that's had dark, that's J.D. Martinez. Thought. Hey, that sounds yeah. great. Uh, that money comes off the books next year, so... I have more bad news, Corey. Well, I have great. more bad news. What? S- Smiley, $9.5 million. Barnhart, right. $3 million. Mancini, $7 million. That's $20 million right there. Yeah, I think that's what the comment is getting at, that you could have avoided <laughs> maybe some of these couple-year contracts yeah. for guys. Yeah, hey, sounds nice. Unfortunately, not the reality we live in, right? Um, and... Carter Hawkins, the real Carter Hawkins, says we need graphs from Cody Delmetrix. Yeah, work on that. Bring that by him. Uh, good luck <laughs> with that. Uh, I don't think that's we, his we game, but that. we'll see. Uh, I do want to go to uh, kind of a, a, a good quote from a friend of the show here in the YouTube chat a lot, EvilWax73, says it's interesting how Tyone has been good his last five starts and Smiley has gone the other direction. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've flip-flopped pretty much uh, entirely. Not, not directly, but for Drew Smiley, uh, his last five starts, so if you go back to June 28th against the Phillies, three and two-thirds, seven runs. July 3rd at the Brewers, three and two-thirds, three runs with three walks. July 8th at the Yankees, four innings, uh, four runs, four walks. July 17th, uh, home against the Nationals, six innings, but five runs, eight hits, uh, and a walk. And then on Saturday, coming in after Michael Fulmer opened the game, three and two-thirds, six hits, five runs, four of them were earned. Uh, when asked about David Ross, uh, excuse me, asked about Drew Smiley, David Ross declined to comment on how they will use him going forward. He said, quote, we'll address that when his time comes. It'll be TBD again. The Cubs went with Michael Fulmer as an opener, of course, on Saturday. And then Smiley followed uh, with not great, uh, you know, few innings there. So, I guess the question becomes, what happens next, right? If you feel like Tyone is trending in the right direction, at least, not where you'd like him to be, but trending in the right direction, okay, you're comfortable continuing to run him out there and and letting him work on it and hopefully continue to get better. The team non-committal to Drew Smiley, which I think says a lot, right? I was a little confused at the execution on Saturday, but they got the W thanks to the offense being relentless, as we said. I didn't really understand that. Uh, part of why I didn't understand that is, one, the St. The Saint Louis lineup is mostly driven by some heavy-hitting righties, right? Like, if you're trying to bait a certain handedness, like, our, our, I mean, they some of them didn't on Sunday because it seems like St. Louis has given up. But, you know, Arnado's going to be in there. Goldschmidt's going to be in there. Wilson has been hitting better. Like, this, these, some of these guys are going to be in there, right? And on this year... Drew Smiley has been worse against left-handed hitters. So if your plan was to use Fulmer, get lefties in the lineup, Drew Smiley has been bad against both sides of the plate, but oddly enough, lefties have hit him harder to a higher OPS this season than righties have. So I wasn't really sure about that. Also, on Friday, I think it was, Fulmer came in and did not hit, I don't think, a single spot that Miguel Amaya was putting up behind the plate. So it just seemed like a weird choice. They got the win. Doesn't matter. I don't think that's going to be the strategy going forward. The question becomes, what happens next? So against the, the in this White Sox series, I believe it's going to be Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman. That's who it's going to be. And then, as David Ross said, TBD for Drew Smiley. Now, interestingly enough, uh, yesterday, Hayden Wisniewski, five innings, no runs, eight strikeouts, no walks for the Iowa Cubs. And uh, their wonderful broadcaster, Alex Cohn, tweeting out that in five starts at the AAA uh, level this season, a 1.37 ERA for Hayden Wisniewski. So question to you, Brendan, like when you're looking at what Drew Smiley is doing, is there anything salvageable there or worth 
salvaging there. And what do you do that next time in the rotation? Because that next start, right, is going to come however this is going for the Cubs, right? Like, I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know how many games back they're going to be, but that's going to be in the last series before the trade deadline. So if it were up to me, like, I'm I'm not giving the ball to Drew Smiley given his last several starts here. Neither am I. Uh, I honestly... I don't like watching Drew Smiley. Like the, the the type of pitcher he is doesn't really excite me. It, it just never has. Um, I understand why he's successful. I understand how he's been successful. But the fear for me has been he's always so close to the edge because he doesn't have a a wipeout pitch. He pitches backwards with that gyro curveball that looks like a changeup sometimes. He's a weird pitcher, and so. There's always this like level of uncertainty that I was ne- I'm never comfortable with. I think he's fine as a back end guy. I think he's fine as a four or five guy. There's a possibility he's not even that valuable going forward. Um, that kind of sucks. Is it salvageable? I don't know. Like his overall numbers this year have been not that different from years past. You look at his K per nine, it's about 7.9 batters per game. Last year was 7.7. His walk per nine this year has jumped up a batter per game from 2.2 last year to 3.1 this year. That That's where it is. You can just look at the walk rate as a proxy for lack of command. And as a result, his pitch types across the board have been rating below league average, right? So is it salvageable? I don't know. I, I mean, like I hate to say, but I don't, I don't know. It does worry me too that he's under contract for next year for $9.5 and that sucks, dude. That's $10 million is a big chunk. And they start adding things up. And we started doing this on like a back of a napkin. But like if you bring back Stroman and Bellinger for 25 each, you're already pushing north of $200 million. You're already like 25-ish, 30 away from that luxury tax, assuming everyone comes back and you add in those $25 million contracts, right? So that that's where the frustration comes in. For me, I've always wanted guys with wipeout pitches to pitch on this rotation. Hayden is that guy. Then again, with Hayden, the command was so shaky early on, I understood the idea of putting him in Iowa to get that command right. The command looks to be perhaps better. Uh, Strikeouts have gone up. He's striking out over 12 guys per game in Iowa. Walks have been around 3.6 batters per nine innings, but it's always been, it's, it's a small sample. So it's possible that he found his command. So yes, to your point, I would like to see Wisniewski. I'm concerned about Smiley, but at the same time, I don't think Wisniewski's a slam dunk either. We have to see sure. when he comes back that the command looks as it was in late 2022, because that's when he was at his best. And if he can showcase that command, he's one of the better pitchers in this rotation, actually. Like, that's how good he can be when he's on with that command. Yeah. Uh I see in our YouTube chat a comment from Craig. Uh, unless I'm looking at this incorrectly, he is under contract for 2024. The mutual option that you are referring to is in 2025. He can opt out after the end of this year. Uh, but unless Fangraphs is incorrect, he is under contract for 2024. Mutual option in 2025. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, like I don't, it, it, I don't know what the situation is, right? I don't know where they're going to be in a little bit, but... If it's the last series before the deadline, it is sort of by default a must-win series, right? In so much as Jed and Carter don't already know what they're doing or whatever, right? You can't let Smiley—I wouldn't let him pitch, right? Like, they didn't let him start on Saturday, but, I, you know, like, Fulmer used to start, but he's not really stretched out. Um, he's been better, but— like I, I don't I think it's worth talking about it like I that. didn't. That was like a band aid over a larger sure, problem. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah but I, but even even like that, I wouldn't let Smiley pitch. Like no. you, you've got to figure this out. You got to try to win games. And I don't think you're, if you're trying to trade him or showcase his value, he's been bad for several starts here. Like even if he has a good start next weekend, like I don't, I, I. If anybody wants him, they know what they're getting, right? So yeah. I wouldn't let him pitch. I would call up Wisniewski, give him a shot, see if you can capitalize on a decent run here in Iowa, and let the let the young guy go. You know Hayden has the attitude for it, right? He's not going to be kind of overwhelmed by the moment. I'd give it a shot. Uh, some in the chat asking about 
Ben Brown, uh, I think too inconsistent for him to get that shot. I think it would be Wisniewski. No, no, no. Uh, ben Brown is not ready yet. Not even right. close. Ben Brown, close. so his last start on July 19th, five innings, nine strikeouts, no yeah. walks, just one hit, no runs. But the one before that, six runs in an inning and a third, had another good outing on July 3rd, but then same thing. The outing before that, two-thirds of an inning, six runs. So he, he, it, it's, it's, it's not, not the time and, and, and like he has some problems we'll talk about it in the offseason that that he needs to address is he's he's not ready yet unfortunately yeah uh okay so a couple pat minutes hughes. left i do want to talk about pat hughes uh if the cubs hadn't won three or four and we were all down in the dumps or something like that we would have started with the, pat the hughes pat so hughes my apologies to pat he deserves to lead but we we have to defer to the the baseball team i think Pat Hughes he would want you to do that too, by the way. Yes, he would have. Yeah. Yes, he's selfless like that. Yeah. Pat Hughes inducted into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Uh, I have spoken at length in podcasts in the past about what he has meant to me as a Cubs fan, really as a person uh, and a baseball fan. But in short, I used to take an AM radio to middle school and listen on the bus in my locker in you know class, and that was how I developed into the Cubs fan in front of you today. Um, like a lot of people my age, I fell in love with the 2003 Chicago Cubs, and this is before MLB TV. Um, it wasn't on TV at school or at summer camp, and so I had an AM radio, and at the time, it was 720 WGN with Pat Hughes and Ron Sano, and listening to them call the game the way they describe the game, that is why I am the fan that I am today, and Pat Hughes receiving the honor that he did on Saturday, uh, nobody deserves that more. He is one of the best in the history of the game. He's the GOAT, um, and I couldn't be happier for someone that I do not know uh, to have received that honor. Um, And I I just want to read one quote of his. Again, I could do a three-hour podcast on what Pat Hughes means to me alone. I've tweeted about it. Um, I'm happy to elaborate at other times, but uh, it's a Sunday, and we have a, a bit of a time limit. So Um, I do just want to read this quote from his speech. You can watch the whole speech. I believe it was on Marquee. The Cubs have tweeted links to it. If you can't find it, I'm happy to share it with you because I love Pat Hughes that much. Uh, But Pat, in a sort of letter to Cubs fans in his speech, said this, quote, What an extraordinary group of people you are. I want to thank you so much for your unbelievable passion for the club and your support of me. When I got the call from Cooperstown last December, I truly think there were some Cubs fans who were just as happy as I was with the news. I think he's talking about me specifically, like just me. Um, You make me feel like I'm part of your family. You invite me to special events like graduations, bar mitzvahs, and birthdays, and I absolutely love those games at Wrigley Field, those close ball games where you fans are not just part of the ballpark atmosphere, but you become part of the ball game itself, and you play a significant role in a dramatic Cubs victory. It has been my extreme privilege to be one of your announcers for these past three decades, and before my career ends, I hope I get at least one more chance to say something like, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Brendan, Pat, he's talking about Ron Sano. The whole thing, I was was an emotional wreck, uh, as... Uh, Anthony Rizzo once said in the dugout as the Cubs were about to win the World Series, I was in a glass case of emotion. I love Pat Hughes. He is the best to ever do it, and nobody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Pat Hughes. Man, yeah, that that speech. Like, I've already watched it like three times, but like, you know, for me and you, it's been reverse. I grew up watching a TV broadcast mostly. Like I would just like skip, you know, recess and watch the games on my computer. Um, so it's been reverse. Where over the past five, ten years, a lot of the start of the games, I'm listening to Pat Hughes, and now I'm listening to him more often. And for me, like the consistency of Pat is like a it's like a warm blanket. You know, you can always go to it. You have bad days, you have good days, but specifically on the bad days, I know 1.20 p.m., Pat Hughes is on the radio. I can forget whatever's on my mind, right? Yep. And so that's, I mean, you can't, think, you can't thank him enough for having that consistency, man. And the speech, hearing him give his selfless accolades to all those around him, it just speaks volume to who he is, man. I hope Pat is around forever. That's, that's where I come down to. Yeah. 
Um, not surprising that he just spends most of the speech thanking other people because that's yeah. just the kind of guy that Pat Hughes is and, and has been throughout his career. Um, but we'll end there. Uh, he said, you know, the Cubs fans make him feel like part of a family, but I've always said that about him. When you listen to him broadcast games, you don't feel like you're listening to some stranger who works for a baseball team. You feel like you have been invited into his living room and you are all living and dying with each pitch and somebody really understands what it means to be a fan of the Chicago Cubs. So, uh, and if you're here in this YouTube chat or listening to us on a podcast feed uh, at this point, I I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, So we will leave you with that. uh, And here's what we got, folks. Off day Monday, Two at the Chicago White Sox, both night games. Four at the St. Louis Cardinals, three night games, and then 115 Central on Sunday. Monday the 31st, a night game at the Reds, and that will bring us to the trade deadline. The Cubs are six and a half games out of first place, five and a half out of a wild card. Cody Bellinger is the hottest player on the planet right now. What are the Cubs going to do? Where will they be in the division? The wild card come the trade deadline. All this and more on the next episode of Chicago Cubs Baseball, but also the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday. Don't forget to join Cody, Ryan, and the gang throughout the week. I believe there's rumors. uh, One Luke Stuckmeyer making his triumphant return uh, from a much-earned vacation this week just in time to keep the good vibes going. So that is all we have for you. We appreciate you guys joining us on this Sunday. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, as always, go Cubs.